Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at RightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Well, good morning again, Sharon. How are you, Jeremy? Good. Welcome to our makeshift studio at the NCANA SCANA meeting up in beautiful Asheville, oh, North Carolina. Gosh, and the weather is just phenomenal. Oh God, I came out this morning. It was fifty-five degrees, a little chill in the air. I know you love that. So looking forward to fall. You know, did you get a haircut? I did get a haircut. It looks really good. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, I think yeah. it cut off some of the gray. <laughs> <laughs> But it looks really good. <laughs> well, thank you. You're looking really sharp this morning. Well, thank you very much. It's you know, nice to be at a meeting having, with people. After having right? the COVID, you know, it's good to so you look better and feel better. So, so you're coming you out? Know, I'm coming out. He was, out a of va- he was a vaccinated COVID. Yeah. A breakthrough. Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't too bad. But you, I knew something was wrong with you immediately well, before we you podcasting. did. It was really funny. Yeah, we podcasted what that Tuesday night, mm-hmm. and you were like, "What is wrong with you?" I know. I texted. Like nothing. Him. I'm a little tired. I got a massage today, you know, and and then Wednesday night I had a fever. And, and you texted Thursday, me. Thursday I tested positive. And I said, so. "You better go get a COVID test." Yep. <laughs> but so. he said. My wife didn't even notice that wasn't okay. <laughs> you noticed. I'm your work wife. Uh, well, I think we've got another good show put together today, and oh, we I'm have super with us excited. Adam Flo. <laughs> Welcome, Adam. Thank you. And you are the chief CRNA down at uh, Duke. I am. Yeah, I'm. I'm really uh, honored to be here. Normally, I have to pay people to listen to me. So this, is my, this is my first time doing a podcast. Sign their paychecks. Yeah. And, uh, do you have kids? Uh, I do have three. Just my oldest okay. off to the University of South Carolina. Oh, wow. So okay. Super excited. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, our topic today is going to be computerized surgical implants. And Adam, you know, me not being a CRNA and not a medical person, when I first saw that, I mean, it had a different connotation than once I read the body of, uh, of your topic here. So surgical implants doesn't mean the same to me as you know 
<laughs> I'm just saying. You're going to learn so much during this podcast. Yeah. Well, you know, implants to me, you know, I've always gone down a different okay. road. So, yeah. You know. yeah. But yeah. We're not talking about pecs and boobs and butts. Okay. All right. We're talking about I mean, I was really yeah. interested yeah. when yeah. I first saw yeah. it. And then I started reading it. I'm like, oh, this yeah. is okay. Uh, <laughs> well, let uh, Adam tell a little bit about himself. His little bio is just so intriguing. Tell our listeners a little bit about you. Well, I'm Adam Flo. I was born in Virginia. Uh, I was a former school teacher. I taught uh, public school English for five years. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't realize I was. Uh, creating a life of planned poverty for myself. <laughs> something else has to happen. And my wife was a nurse and I loved what she did. And my mother-in-law is a big influence in my life and she's a retired emergency room nurse. And she's like, you should join the Navy and become a nurse practitioner. It's gonna be this awesome job. Huh. And because I trusted- <laughs> Your them, mother-in-law. Yeah, absolutely, Sally Floyd. And because I trusted them and, and uh, admired what they did so much, I, I went to nursing school. And, wow. and the first job at fair I could go to, I went. I tried to go where I thought was the Navy booth. And it was the U.S. Public Health Service. This is the Commission Corps, the Department uh-huh. of Health and Human Services. The Surgeon General is the Chief Officer. And I tried to walk away, and they said, "No, no, no! Please listen to us. Please stay." And so I listened, and I signed up, and it was great. I had one job as a lieutenant in the U.S. Public Health Service to finish my degree, and there's, I was the only officer on campus. It was this excellent time in my life. And I graduated on a Sunday, and then on the Wednesday night, I was the charge nurse at the Women's Maximum Security Medical Penitentiary in Fort Worth, Texas. So wow. I did time. I did my time <laughs> with the ladies in Fort Worth for three years. I was how was a, it? Uh, it was never a boring job. My wife says it was my favorite job, which I don't know quite how to interpret <laughs> interpret that. But like anesthesia, it's hours of boredom with moments of terror. It's, yeah. That's the same for prison work yeah. as well. And so she wanted me to stop working in the prisons after a little while. And, and uh, we moved back to North Carolina and I came to Duke and I worked in the ICUs and I worked in the bronchoscopy suites. And when I was doing bronchoscopy work, I actually started going to the OR, helping the pulmonologist set up their oscillating ventilators mm-hmm. for the rigid bronx. And that's when I started seeing anesthesia for the first time. Mm. And I was still actually considering being a nurse practitioner, and I talked to them and said, no, 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 you right. need to spend a day with us. If you're not going to be a nurse practitioner, you'll be a nurse anesthetist. And that's what I did. And Duke gave me a stipend and a leave of education, and that's been since 2006. And the rest is history. So was there a certain CRNA that you may have met in that process? Because I tell CRNAs all the time, you don't know who's watching you. Absolutely. There's one at Duke named Meredith Muncy. She works mm-hmm. at ASC right now. She's mm-hmm. very influential to me early. And there's one at Danville who actually was a, a nursing student with my wife in undergraduate nursing, Scotland Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the two of them were definitely helped guide me. Yeah, mm-hmm. Meredith's awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. All right. So. Tell us what we're talking about today. So we're talking about computers, essentially. Okay. But, but what I really want to talk about, the story I'm hoping to tell at the conference is a social one. I, I think huh, you know, okay. computers continue to change our lives. And so for the most part, these computers have been outside our bodies, and now they're entering our bodies. And I think that's going to have major changes to how we live and right. the way we do things. And to, so, so, so two overarching things, I think, to set the stage. One, surgical implants are basically anything a surgeon puts in your body. So I'm not talking about hip implants or okay. a new knee or something like that. I'm talking about something that has programmable digital features to it. Like a pacemaker. Pacemaker, exactly. Okay. Or a brain stimulator. Very or, okay. good, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Can do this. On my presentation tomorrow, <laughs> pacers are so complicated now they deserve their own attention. So I'm actually going to purposely not talk about pacemakers because huh. that, that would just be too much to condense yeah. in an hour. And the other thing that's going on, I think everybody listening will immediately know this and appreciate it, is that computers continue to get smaller. Mm-hmm. Right. They get right. tinier and more sophisticated. And as that has happened, what they can do inside of our bodies is also skyrocketing. You know. 
You're exactly right. You, you've only been out of anesthesia school since 06, right? Oh, uh, uh, wait, actually. Oh, because Jeremy knows this because his wife's name is Sarah, but in title CO2 monitoring, when I was in anesthesia school, the machine was called Sarah, and she <laughs> filled an entire room in the OR, and she could only cycle through for entitle. So you would intubate your patient, but you may not see the entitle until Sarah cycled through to your room. Yeah. And it was yeah. an entire room like of a crazy. computer. And now we have entitled CO2 monitoring in these little packs oh, yeah. or whatever. Little modules. Yeah. Like Module. Module. Yeah, exactly. That was the word exactly. I was looking for. I've been really blessed at Duke to work with some very seasoned people and nursing assistants <laughs> who've been, I know really, who've seen the history of nursing assistants mm -hmm. happen. I think about Dave Leeson talking to me about oh, I love Dave. seeing I EKGs for the first time and you would get <laughs> one complex. One blip. Yeah. The yeah. And then Dan Jenton, who, bless his heart, died a few years ago. Fantastically funny guy. And he, I remember him telling a story the first time they had pulse oximetry and how yeah, I, don't need, I don't need this, I don't need this. And then he was in the middle of the night and he did a chin lift and saw the numbers. Go, go up. up, and so he, he spent the rest of the case lowering the person's jaw and lifting the person's lifting jaw, and see the numbers go up and down to prove himself that it's this is for real. This uh, works. I love it. It's about like LMAs when they first exactly. come out. I was like, I am not going to use this yeah. at all. Kathy Briggs, uh, oh, CRNA at High Point, she was one. She tra helped Kathy. train me. Yeah, and uh, I, she. You know, Kathy's been here. I do. Yeah. But she's doing great. I she talked to her last weekend. Also influential on me when I was in school. Yeah. And our, she was always asking me what's the best way to do anesthesia on a case we're about to do. She was a great instructor. Mm, yeah. Just Amazing. a great Kathy's instructor. Just great. And so at the time I would frequently go to LMA for if I could because I thought less invasive was better. Sure. And she was like, No, LMA stands for let me aspirate. People's willingness to adopt the new things. Uh, as well, but I will tell you, I've had lots of surgeries, and LMA will give you. I, I had the worst sore throat in the whole world hmm. yeah. from that, but I've been intubated numerous times and no sore throat. Well, the LMAs are big, right? It's oh, a really, really big piece God. of plastic going in the back of your throat. It, hmm. My throat was so sore for days. Yeah. So, never LMA. I no, no, that's no. not true. <laughs> Just, just know that you might have us. We, we think of it as less invasive, but there are actually some cons to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask With the size you. of my tonsil, Sharon, I mean, you know. Let me see. I don't do it now. <laughs> I'll show you later. But Let's see them on the podcast. My, my doctor's like, yeah, those are the tonsils I've seen. I'm like, I've had them for all my life. They never took them out. Yeah. Well. Can't do it now. Does your wife complain hers. about you snoring at night? She does. Well, okay. look at that nose she on does. you, yeah, too. It's, yeah. it's related. <laughs> That's all stopped up. <laughs> Uh, well, and I broke it when I was little and never had it fixed, so it's uh, closed off over here, too. So, yeah. I've noticed men who snore who have large tonsils, the couch in their downstairs area is shaped like their body. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. No, this is what I get. Yeah, the chin lift. There and she go. doesn't do it, like, um, easy. I'll be asleep, and she'll go. Yeah, and she pushes she my chin. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I can't sleep. You're snoring for the last hour. And she's like... Yeah, well, head. that's after. Have you got the bruises from her elbowing you? And no, she doesn't elbow. She yeah. tries to get as far away from me as yeah. she can. Been there, done that. Um, I'm sorry. But anyway, I digress. Stop copying me. All right, so so let's talk about you know why maybe we're seeing more of these implants. I mean, technology's catching up, and it really is. And our understanding of neurobiology in particular, and how electricity guides it and dictates it and causes neurotransmitters to 
increasing their production and decreasing their production, like our, our actual scientific basic science understanding of this is escalating as well. Mm -hmm. And so now with advances in anesthesia, advances in surgery, advances in the size and the safety of the digital technology, we can actually, in a very focused and, and minute way, guide electrical charges into specific parts of the brain, specific nerves of the body to improve the patient's lives. Wow. Sounds like, uh, you know, kind of, I don't know, stuff you thought about years ago that the government's going to get in your body and then oh if they God, really want you to die, they'll push a button and you're gone, right? Jesus, I mean, do not feed this, this stuff. Yeah, you know, it's just like these people that will take the COVID me, vaccine because they think Bill Gates is implanting microchips. I think it's a little teeny tiny micro, like iPhones through my body now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I get these different tingles going down my leg. Listen, yeah, it feels like a phone's ringing. Yeah. Listen, yeah. Listen, I'm like, what is going on? I don't even have my phone in my pocket. Shut up. They, uh, listen, they don't have to implant a foam on any oh, of us no, because don't. we are all attached to them all the time. Even you, Adam, said I'm sitting my phone away from me while I take this podcast yeah. because yeah. it is addictive. Yeah. I have okay, to do the same thing. Like if I go to a lecture somewhere, I have to get rid of my phone because right. it, it'll, it'll go zing, zing, zing. And then I'm thinking about that. And yeah. I'm thinking about yeah, well, then my watch does it. I so did it to be respectful to you. Yeah. So tell us about some of these different implants. So, yeah. I, there's got to be more than just the brain implants. There, there is. That's actually the majority of what I'm talking about tomorrow is brain implants because there's a lot happening there and I'd like to come back can to that the, just a little bit. Can you have one that makes you smarter? That's the goal. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, Where that, do I sign that's up? That's the goal. <laughs> Google's going to figure You're actually, out. You can give my presentation <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so here, here's one. I've had two patients with this one. It's called a phrenic nerve stimulator. Okay. And so they wrap electrical wire around the two phrenic nerves and to remind the audience the phrenic nerves actually innervate the diaphragm and cause you to take breaths. Okay. And so people with spinal cord injury or Lou Gehrig disease or yeah. multiple sclerosis or different types of dystrophy, they start to develop a phrenic nerve dysfunction mm -hmm. weakening the diaphragms and they can't take adequate breaths. And then they're doomed to shortened lives uh, or lives on ventilators, ventilators which are also shortened because yes. of pneumonias and the difficulties there. And these wires then basically stay inside the body and they become antenna that they come down out of the diaphragm and into the abdominal cavity. And then there's a little pacemaker box like hmm. you could mm -hmm. easily imagine you attach somebody's belt that have two little circular antenna on them. Mm -hmm. And you have to figure out exactly how to place them so there's communication through the, the wall of the abdomen between the internal antenna and the external antenna. And then you start pacing. You can turn the number of breaths, number of stimulations you want huh. on the box and the electricity goes up to the fretting nerve fires, the diaphragm moves and takes a breath. So are y'all wow. doing these at, at Duke? Uh, this is a very uncommon surgery. There's about less than 2,000 <coughs> of sure. these. We have done, there's actually uh, Cincinnati Children's Hospital, I think, and CHOP up in okay. Philadelphia are the mm -hmm. primary places for these devices. Both of this, the patients I took care of were children for dental procedures. Mm -hmm. One of them was very challenging. That had one? Yes. Ah. And one of them, the, the second one I took care of was very challenging because she had actually put on a lot of weight uh -huh. after the surgery, and so now the distance between the two antenna had increased increased with the increase of her body size yes. and so that was it was actually very challenging so the mother had actually gotten like a bandeau shirt top like a stretchy top to try to compress the external antenna just the right spot wow. and when these things fall off or they become malpositioned mm -hmm. you don't get the electrical stimulation and the patient might not breathe oh so this is very very frightening and so at the time Craig Weldon who uh, Emily uh, Funkel know and uh, uh, was a pediatric anesthesiologist with and he and I took magic markers and with the mother we circled on the body the best place for these external antenna, huh. and then we taped them down, and then we put the stretchy bando thing on top of that, not wanting to displace these. 
because it, as you wake a patient up without anesthesia, getting them to return to spontaneous sure. breathing is one of the biggest tricks that we Absolutely. have to perform. Absolutely. that Texas <coughs> Exactly. And so CO2 if rise. you have a patient who's not going to do that without this electrical stimulation device happening and that becomes a malposition, that, that's it's, it's frightening. Wow. Wow. This is just kind of cool stuff. <laughs> so yeah. what other kinds of implants? Are there others that we should be having on our There are devices? vocal cord stimulator implants, gastric stimulator implants uh -huh. uh, happening. Absolutely. Vagal nerve stimulators is a booming field. And this Stimulate is the vagus thing. Exactly. Really? Exactly. That seems counterintuitive. Well, it's, 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 it's super I wanna, challenging. I want to keep that vagus nerve. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a financial advisor, but I would recommend <laughs> just looking at some stock and some of these, some of these stimulators. <laughs> the primary indication for this is for people who have seizure disorders. They're right. not responding to medication. Mm -hmm. okay. yep. And very similar to what I described for the phrenic nerve, they open up your neck, they tie wires around your vagus nerve on your left side. I'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. And then it goes down, it's tunneled into your chest, and it looks like a traditional cardiac pacemaker mm -hmm. battery pack mm -hmm. on the chest, which you'll see. You do this on the left side because each set of cranial nerves has afferent and efferent right. fibers. Some go to the brain, some go away from the brain. Right. The left side is 80% afferent going to the brain and 20% efferent going to the heart. The right side is 50-50. And so when you turn the electricity on, you want the electricity <coughs> to go up to the brain and calm the seizures. Mm -hmm. It's more complicated than that, but you want to calm, right. you want to right. calm sure. the seizures. So when you do the surgery, you have to have atropine ready. Because oh, you, I bet. Until the electricity is turned on, you don't know what's going to happen. That's the truth. And since 20% of the fibers are there. And be ready to do some compressions exactly, to move the that electricity will around. shoot straight down to the heart, bradycardia, even asystole, yes. cardiac arrest. Well, I mean, this is just kind of making me think of something that happened to my oldest daughter, Lauren. This was a few years back. And she said, Dad, my hand, I just feel this pain in my hand and my wrist. It hurts really bad. And I mean, it was to the point she couldn't use her hand, and it was, she would cry, it hurt so bad. So we took her everywhere, couldn't figure out what was going on. There was no reason for this to do this. And finally got to the right doctor, and she said, this seems indicative of CRPS, complex regional pain syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the heck is this? Because Sarah had worked on some cases, and she had said early on, she said, all the things that she's got look like CRPS, but we couldn't get a doctor to tell us this. And what we finally ended up doing was went to an anesthesiologist who she referred to us, and he did a ganglion block. And basically, my understanding of this was the nerves get out of whack from the way he described it to mm -hmm. me, and you have to do a reset on the nerves. So the first time it helped a little bit, the second time, took it away and it was gone yeah never to be seen. never to be seen again we've never had it in our family nobody's ever had it we have no idea why she got it I mean they, they say that it can come back and it can it's come back probably a physical trauma I, mean, I don't know what happened <coughs> to yeah. her but some injury to the shoulder or that's what they said that, yeah. she played soccer yeah. and you know it could have come through playing soccer so this is the the very basic premise of how cardiac defibrillation works it's not jump-starting a heart it's resetting the heart it's okay. trying to allow a powerful surge of electricity to return the heart to its native appropriate rhythm hmm. to breathe. And so a similar yeah, fashion. Very similar. Yeah. The body is so funny. I mean, it seems like sometimes you just it just have to goes do haywire. A reset or, you know, it's jump like start it or whatever. Re restarting a computer. Right. Yeah, you gotta reboot it. Sometimes, yeah. You know? Um, anyway, I mean Adam, this stuff is very interesting and obviously I don't think the average CRNA out there knows it. How did you get so involved in this? So one of the reasons I wanted to tell the story is because I feel like at Duke, which is you know tertiary care center and academic right. center, this right. is a place we're seeing a lot of these things 
in their conception and in the beginnings. And so I'm, I'm hopefully here today to sort of share that because I really yeah. do think, particularly the vagal nerve stimulators and the brain stimulators are about to explode in their presence in our community. Yeah. And they'll, they'll be outside the academic centers. In fact, Vegas nerve centers, I know for a fact, are being placed in community hospitals in North Carolina right now. Well, since you mentioned Emily earlier, I'm just going to say Emily Funk is in the room with us. We're not going to make you talk, Emily, but um, <laughs> and she's the program director down at Duke now, so she's, she's sitting and listening not to program us. Program director, just faculty. Not just faculty. I mean, just faculty. I don't know why. I, said I don't know, but just. I'm thinking of you being chief and just faculty. But one day you'll be program director. She tells me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're glad to have her in here. She's sitting in here with us today. So. As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. So talk about, you know, because uh, the majority of our listeners are CRNAs and anesthesia providers, are there things that make it difficult for anesthesia providers in this environment doing these stimulators? They are. So the surgeries that where we place these devices, typically they're pretty straightforward, and we can know the risks ahead of time. The real challenge is when you receive the patient with a stimulator for some other surgery. Oh, uh, like, for instance, true. if they have to go into an MRI, or you want to do a laparoscopy, and they have wires that are in their abdomen. So being aware of and the risks and needs and special considerations for a stimulator for the continued life of that patient as they continue to come for healthcare into the OR is key. Uh, and that's one of the main points I want to drive home too is like, just like you would want to interrogate a pacemaker to understand what its functionality is, whether it defibrillates, what kind of pacing it's providing, all these other kind of stimulators have their own program, their own story. That if you're going to be a strong anesthesia provider, you really need to have mastery of, if not familiarity. Sharon, have you done anything along these lines? And, mm -mm. I mean, you know, no, nothing? I have not. But I mean, I, I appreciate your point about taking care of them. Yeah. And for other things that they're having done, just like, you know, in the endo suite, we have people come in who've got the internal defibrillators and yep. things like that. <laughs> I just say, has that thing ever went off? Because it'll yeah. take, you, take you to your knees <laughs> That's right. whenever uh, it does. But Well, that is the story. I mean, that is the, the, the exact situation I think is going to be the greatest challenge for the anesthesia provider going forward, is that, that it, we, the human body is not going to just be the human body anymore. Right. It's going to be the human body with computers incorporated into right. it. Right. You are exactly right. And now we do so many things outpatient. So, you know, you think you're going to be insulated because you don't work at Duke. Right, and you're not. <laughs> and you're not going no. to be insulated because you're going to be doing them in the community hospitals, you're going to be doing them in the offices. And Well, that could be a whole other podcast about, you know, how do you train SRNAs to deal with this moving forward? I mean, I'm sure that 
it's got to be in the curriculum now. Tell us, Emily, is it in the curriculum? She's saying yes, Yes. so and Adam can answer that too, I'm sure. It's kind of an esoteric topic, and and if you think about the larger 330 million Americans, the number of millions of Americans we talk about is really quite small. Right. But if you don't get it right, the impacts are going to be huge. Right. So I think it's probably something we need to spend more and more time considering. Yeah. And I mean, that's uh, that's the way we're moving. I mean, that's what this is going to be. Well, implants and, you know, one of my daughters has had diabetes since she was five. And, you know, they've talked and talked to, about being able to put an implantable in and just kind of have a portacath with U400 insulin and have some sort of system inside that could test the blood sugar and, auto, and be a closed loop Absolutely. system. So that's going to be something I'm sure that's going to pop up, though I've been waiting 30 years. <laughs> so we're starting to see patient-owned insulin pumps come to the ORs that actually work in conjunction with a smartphone. Yeah, yeah, my daughter stuff. has one. Right, but that's a whole other thing. Like, we've never allowed the patient to bring a smartphone into the OR before. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do my they, daughter do has they record one. with it? Does it interfere with things? It's just like we worry about mm-hmm. employees, smartphones. Well, you know, I've been lecturing on diabetes for many, many years, and I used to have this cartoon in there that said if they can ever let the smartphone be a glucometer even, and it can be, yeah. and now what it's evolved into and so now I keep that, that slide in my talk because it's been in there for years, yeah. and now it's for real. Yeah, I, I, I watch people hold the phone up to their arm to a little sensor, and it mm-hmm. immediately gives them a blood glucose reading. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah, but now if they can get it all implantable, think about that. Yeah. It, it's not because she's got a sensor for that, uh, you know, the, the <coughs> glucose, checking her glucose, and then she's got something for her insulin, so yeah. she's got all these things yeah. stuck on her from the outside. Eventually, they'll, what I'm hearing from you, they'll all be implanted on the inside. I think there's a very strong likelihood. Well, I hope it's sooner rather than later. <laughs> well, I mean, also, you know, I sit on the plan giving advisory council for Wake, now Atrium, Wake Forest, but, and they have Dr. Atala, I mean, who is well known around the country for regenerative medicine. And he tells us on a call, this was last year sometime, but, you know, they've been growing bladders and putting them in children now for, for years. And he said within 10 to 15 years that you need a heart, they're going to grow your heart from your own cells and then they'll implant it in you. You need, you but know, they've any been type saying that organ. for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. As long as I can remember. Technology is just moving along so greatly and they're doing stuff there that they don't talk about in public. Well, sure. What was, the, what was the sheep? The first clone? Dolly. 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 Yeah. 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 How long has that been? Oh, long like, time. Yeah, 1990 yeah. or so, I think. Oh, are you yeah. sure yeah. Dolly's that? It was older than that. Maybe well, was that in, that was in England, wasn't it? It was. I think yeah. I think governmental support for stem cell research will be the thing that really right. escalates oh, that in a particular way. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. the R's put a kibosh on yeah, that, and, and then there were what only eighteen stem cell lines available yeah. that That's challenging. Could use. Yeah, yeah, it's challenging. Yeah. Can I jump forward to Sharon's comment about being made smarter? Sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. A deep brain stimulator is the same kind of idea where you go through a mini craniotomy experience and two holes are drilled into your head and they, okay. they precisely place electrode wires into portions of your brain and connect it to a battery pack. And okay. then they send little micro shocks of electricity into your brain. And this has been going on actually since like 1977, but it's been escalating rapidly in the past 10, 15 years. And we have two of the primary surgeons doing this in the country at Duke. And the primary indications are Parkinson's disease right. and dystonias and essential right. tremors. Right. And when you, this is another one of those situations where it's mainly hours of boredom and no terror because usually nothing too bad happens in these unless there's air entrained into the brain. 
uh, during, that's, the, during that's problem during the surgery. But typically, <laughs> if you're, you're just there kind of helping along, and it's an awake patient you're talking to and just trying to keep com comforted, wow. um, which is so weird. It's so weird. Well, the brain does, the brain doesn't like feel. So right. once you get through the sc right. scalp, the, it's, it's not painful. It's not like a, what? So there's no nerves. Yeah, there isn't. No it's just nerves. like that okay. movie, okay. Silence of the Lambs or whatever, yeah. you know, where he had his head off. And oh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's really got to yeah. like With that. a nice candy. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I knew you would yeah, know. Yeah, I totally know. Um, the deep brain stimulators, are, and it's, you will be won over immediately by the quality mm -hmm. of life improvement for your mm -hmm. patient because they will go from not even be able to make a mark on a piece of paper with a pen they turn it on and they can make complex yes. shapes like spirals. Now, wow. I haven't worked at Forsyth in 16 years or so, but that it, it was in its infancy then, right. and Bill Bell was doing these things, and it was the coolest thing. And you have musicians who want to play yes. their guitar again, they bring the guitar to the yes. OR, oh, wow. and they, can, they can't even control their hand to plug the yep. strings, they turn it on and they start playing the melody. Yep. It is so cool. And it, it was amazing. in its infancy, I'm sure yeah, it's it is amazing. way advanced now. So. Am I going to be smart? The quality <laughs> of these deep brain stimulators and what we can do for them because the digital technology's gotten better and our understanding of neurobiology's gotten better. Now we're treating other conditions mm -hmm. like OCD, drug addiction, mm -hmm. alcoholism, depression, really? stroke rehabilitation. And that's all happened like in the past four years, basically. This is all things that have gone on like since 2017. And these things haven't hit broadly with the same way as treating tremors and Parkinson's has, but it's right on the cusp. And then you think about the number of people that have depression issues that may yes. not be responding to medication or are needing ECT. So it's internal ECT. Essentially. Basically. For, for, the, for the depression ones, it totally is. And for the OCD ones, it's stimulating certain nuclei of the brain to get the right kind of neurotransmitters out so that they don't have the compulsive behaviors and feelings. Right. Um, well, what's that going to mean for all CRNAs? Because we're all compulsive. That's right. <laughs> and that's what makes us good at our jobs. For the stroke patient, it's going back to the cerebellum around the motor control mm -hmm. and like allowing this electrical activity to sort of re reinvigorate the actions of the cerebellum. And all of a sudden, you go from not being able to use your hand, and there's a uh, first patient very famously made Thanksgiving dinner the next year. Wow. After her deep brain stimulator was placed. So it's, it's stimulating different parts of the brain depending Absolutely. upon what's going on. Brain is, brain is extremely complicated. Yeah. And there are neurotransmitters. Some people are. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what is it? They show a man's brain and it's got a beer and a remote. This, is a, this, it? A, this, is, a, this is a complex podcast. I'm here to say the brain's complicated. Um, different parts of the brain, they right. typically called nuclei or ganglia, secrete different ones than neurotransmitters like serotonin and right. dopamine, etc. And the imbalances these things is what lead to these problems. And yeah. so by stimulating them, you can either cause an increase, increase of one or a decrease. decrease. Huh. And so it's, it's there's so lots of So in the wrong hands, though. Okay. Back to so your me, conspiracy theory. Let me jump forward. Elon Musk. Oh, Lord. Where are we going with this one? Visionary. <laughs> yes. Total social transformer. He's altered right. e-commerce. Right. He's altered Absolutely. the way we think about transportation. Yes. Uh, he's trying space. to get space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He has another company. And he started in 2016, and it's called Neuralink. Neuralink. N-E-U-R-A-L-I-N-K. Okay. It does not have a human recipient yet. Is this the thing that controls your body through the computer or your brain through yes. the computer? Okay, I've yes. heard about it's this. A, it's yeah. a machine brain interface company. Yeah. If you look at the website, that's how they build it. Yeah. So would this have implications for people Everything. who are paralyzed? Everything. Especially, I mean, you know, we've been researching that forever. I was an old... I, I am, I was an ICU nurse, I'm not an old ICU 
You know, that's what I started out neuro ICU, and I just found all of this about the, the brain just absolutely fascinating. Why do some people with brain injuries wake up, some don't? Mm -hmm. I mean, just all kinds of things. I worked with Eben Alexander. Remember, his son is the one who wrote the book about he saw heaven, and, but I worked with his daddy. All right. Um, and he was incredible. And I'll never forget one thing that he taught us. We used to put them in uh, pentabarb comas. Yeah. Put them on pavilion, let the brain rest. And when we would take them off the pentabarb, he always said, watch them. And if they cross their feet at the ankles, they're going to get better. And they would. And what difference does that make? Yeah. But he was right on the money. One of the most observant men I ever met in my life. If they're strong enough to do that, the signs are good. What does that mean in the brain and where is that interface? I yeah. mean, but he was just super observant. He was always right. So Elon, when he formed this company, started off with language very similar to what's going on currently with 3 brain stimulators. We're going to improve quality of mm -hmm. basic function. We're going to treat Parkinson's and motor dysfunction and things like this. But we very quickly started saying is, I want to put a Fitbit in your skull. Mm -hmm. And so his conception of this, if you read at all, it doesn't take much reading, is really this, this Fitbit in the skull, this Neuralink, is a deep brain stimulator is now not just going to be a medical treatment or a curative device, it's going to be a consumer electronic. Okay. He is on record saying, I want you to be able to start your Tesla with your brain and drive it over to you so you can get into it. Oh my God, well, you're going to need a Fitbit. I mean, heck, we won't even get up and pick up the remote. And that's why we're having obesity it, problems, and now our car's going to come get us. And too. it goes way beyond, like, sort of that toy level wow. novelty trick. I mean, who, who's going to do a, have a brain surgery just so they can do, so, turn on a car? But the, the deep brain stimulators we're currently placing at Duke have 10 to 12 electrodes on them. The Neuralink has over 1,000. Wow. So the complexity of the device that he's placing and what they're going to be able to do with it is massive. So I'm really torn about this because the idea of brain surgery as a consumer pleasure item really doesn't sit well with me. Well, I mean, you don't want anybody screwing with your brain. No, or Elon Musk to have the off switch. Right. Yeah. And I also thought... <laughs> on his own computer. <laughs> well, if I remember right, I read about some of this, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, but you know, I thought also that the technology he was working on would be it could keep you alive. I mean, it basically runs your body. And you know you've what got kind of your your mean? head, I mean, your head, but the computer's running everything. Well, it's like an exoskeleton. Improved coordination yes. of your bodily functions, right? Increased access to memory, heightened focus, heightened reaction times. There's some very sort of basic levels where people who could afford this technology might actually start to have like advantage within social competition. Yeah. Wow, there's a That's there big. is a lot to unpack. That's right a lot there. right there. Yeah. Well, and I mean, well, we're gonna have to get Elon on the show. Yeah. To talk about this. I'll you know, call him. So. I have a cell phone number. <laughs> there, there is a, a a macaque, a monkey, named Pager. Uh huh. And and I'm not commenting on whether it's not it's okay to do surgeries on animals, but regardless, right. um, the second animal they put a Neuralink in was Pager, the, mon the monkey. Right. Well, and I guess better the monkey than you. Yeah, exactly. Well, so. I'll, I always wonder if maybe a human already does have it, just nobody's announced it. Every now and then, Elon's got a little bit of a screwy look to his face. Um, uh, they taught Pager to play Pong, the video game, with a joystick. Okay. And there was a little mechanical straw that fed him banana slurry when he did well. And so he very quickly mastered Pong manually doing the joystick with a reward system of getting banana. Okay. okay. 
great. They take him away and they put a Neuralink in his skull. So they do a, a, a cranioplasty type procedure, they do burr holes, they place mm -hmm. the wires, and he, he heals. They turn it on, they bring him back to his Pong station, they disconnect the joystick, and he's playing. Disconnect? The, the joystick, he's holding, the monkey is using the joystick, he thinks to control what's going on on the screen. The joystick is no longer connected. The Neuralink is connected to the video game. No. Oh, you can go on YouTube and see the video of this wow. today. So, what do you, uh, what's the word you would look for on YouTube? Uh, joystick monkey? Or <laughs> uh, Neuralink monkey, uh, pager the mechanic. Okay. Um, and the monkey's still using the joystick? But it's not connected. It's not connected. And he's moving it with his brain. <coughs> yes. Wow. That's a little. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's it's very interesting. Wait, so think maybe about how much I more work you could get done. Sure. Well, but I'm just thinking about how I could get Pierce to do what I wanted him to do. That's never gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, it's just not gonna work. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. So I suspect that Elon Musk would not respect me. Like he probably thinks my mind is soft and my driving life is weak and my aspirations are not high enough to be at the table with him. And I, he's probably right. I'm okay with all those assessments. Yeah. I'm not sure he and I would ever be friends. Right. But you have to admire him for all the things he's been able to do. And yeah. thinking outside of the box. I mean, most anesthesia providers were very analytical, numbers-driven yeah. kind of people, not that strategic. Uh, I mean, I'm referring to the Herman brain dominance. And risk-taking. Oh, yes. Yeah. Not, we're we're yeah. not those people. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, um, I think acknowledging that about him is that it could lead to us having like really superior, awesome, improvements to the kind of technology that will improve people's lives for disease but i think the cost is going to be astronomical astronomical, astronomical yeah. not only to the patients who can afford to get this which is a whole other argument around right haves and have nots and social right. divide and, right and that's going to that but how practical is this because like you know he was the tesla was supposed to be cheap yeah and the first ones came out at over eighty thousand dollars, and the new Tesla Three is still not an inexpensive car. Right. right. How it's much are they now? I, I think thirty-five. Oh, don't quote me, but forties, forty-five, something. Yeah, like it's half the price. But still, the average American who doesn't have ten thousand dollars in savings is not right. about to go get the Tesla Three. Right. And average salary of twenty-eight thousand. They basically can't afford to pay for iPhones out of their pocket either. Mm -hmm. Right. Much less a fit than their skull. Right. He has said that he would like for these to happen at about $5,000 a pop. I don't know if that's possible. Hmm. You can't even hardly buy a computer. I know. A and laptop. He, and he always is coming low, he always estimates low, probably for the appeal of the thing to what the final cost is actually yeah. going to be in all these endeavors. He's been so in other words, that, would insurance yeah. cover well, any of this? So. This is like the $6 million man. You know, it was a show that we used to watch in the 80s. He's in my presentation. Really? Yeah. 
Lee Majors. I, yeah. I had a crush on Lee Majors. Yeah. What was his name in the show? That was Steve. Steve, Steve Trevor. Steve Austin. Steve Austin. Uh, Steve Austin, Austin. exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and he was married to Farrah Fawcett, for God's sake. And yeah. he was the $6 million man just because he was married to Farrah. So yeah. sci-fi becomes reality. It yeah. does. Well, it's like George Jetson's and the Mooverse. Yeah, what is it? Now yeah. they're, you, you know, the escalators that the, and the movers and that the, they have in the airport. The 1930s Dick Tracy yeah. comic strip, there was a little two-way radio he had on his mm -hmm. wristwatch. Right. Yeah. And, and now you talk on your watch. Yeah, then yeah. the Jetsons and Inspector Gadget came along, and now they were video yeah. puns, and now they're just real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Crazy yeah. stuff. It's good stuff. I mean, and technology is moving rapidly, I think. Was it doubling every seven years or something right I've now? I've heard that. And I think within the next few years, they're saying it's gonna it's gonna double like in less than a year. So the technology that we have now, looking back, think about how far we've come just from 2000 to now. Because I mean, in 2000, none of us were really using the internet that much. I mean, a little bit, but now it's a daily occurrence. We got it on our watches. We got it on our phones. What's it going to be like in 20 years? And how to keep, uh, and just how, how keep to keep, up with well, it. Yeah. I mean, I can remember talking to my grandfather, talking about when they got electricity in their house and they could each go and turn the switch on and off once. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, yeah. and to go yeah. from that, I just took my, my mother-in-law, who will be 90, to get a new iPhone. Yeah. 20 so, years from now, there's going to be <coughs> these awesome, hard-to-get tickets that go on sale at this one moment. Or there's going to be a stock tip you really yeah. want to act on. Yeah. Or it's going to be this thing on eBay that you've been waiting forever. Yeah. eBay that was you're going to think fueled about fueled by the <laughs> PayPal that Elon Musk helps yeah. develop. Yeah. And somebody's just going to sit there in their chair and already have it. Yeah. And the rest of like, oh, it's, it's crazy, home. it's scary, but it's also a little bit exciting yeah. as you kind of think about yeah. it. I mean, you know, the, the bad thing about it is, you know, us humans screw everything up, so. Uh, eventually it'll be used for not good as well so we don't understand how healthy it is or how long the body can tolerate having foreign pieces of plastic and metal inside of it right, right. <laughs> I so work in plastics I mean I know yeah. your breast implants don't last forever knee and, and hip no, I don't know personally because I, I haven't done <laughs> I haven't had it done sure, no, I'm glad you processed that yeah, yeah. thank you and there's nothing wrong if people have had it done. No. I mean, we got to say that. No, yeah, it put sure. me through. It put my college. I put them titanium knee replacements. Right. They last a long time. Yeah. yeah. Simple mechanical joint. But this is different. Right. This is something that might start interacting with the fluid content of your body. That's true. Or the, the electrical appearance is normally inside in your well, body starts to well, know, reject, reject it. it. Exactly. Yeah. It rejects everything. Exactly. So there's a lot of unknowns here. Yeah. I mean, this is this is really interesting, Adam. As we kind of wrap up, anything else you want to conclude on or? get across to our listeners listeners for CRNAs keep learning mm. yeah that's the environment that's the continue to change that's the keep truth. learning yeah and, and everybody needs to google Neuralink monkey and check that out yeah as well we're gonna get we're gonna do it as soon as Adam leaves <laughs> I'm gonna pull it up also here, if, so. if you haven't done a deep brain stimulating surgery look up guitar player DBS mm -hmm. and you can see somebody all of a sudden start I've, to play guitar yeah it's inspiring Huh. It is. I'm gonna write that one down to guitar player. Yes. Okay. All right, Sharon, your favorite part. I know. I know. The lightning round. So are you gonna let me have the first question? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, you know, I I love this. What is your favorite song? And why? 
Uh, I like Try a Little Tenderness. Yes. Uh, anything by Otis Redding. Try a little, it just reminds me of my wife. She's from Georgia. Oh. Got you a, a Georgia Peach. Georgia Peach. All right. So, if you won the lottery, what would you do? I'd retire. Would you? I would. You, I would, would, you would retire? I would retire. I would, I would do good works. Okay. Yeah. But what would you do, Adam? I, I would. I would. Very interested. I would in be. That. You uh, would not sit at home. No, no, with a stimulator I, in no, your no, brain. No, 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 no. <laughs> I would be at the local middle school library for free, helping the kid put books in kids' hands. Okay. So okay. you're still a teacher at heart. Okay. Yeah. That's I want to be a principal like my dad. I said, Chief CRNA is basically like being a principal. The school's different. It is. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. So I'm doing the same job. I'm going to leave that one alone because I know a lot <laughs> of Chief CRNAs and I hear a lot of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know. Emily's never had to come to the office. So <laughs> well, if you could go back in history, what era would you go to? I think colonial America is fascinating. But yet, you're, I mean, what a dichotomy. We're talking about brain stimulators, which fascinates you, but you want to go back to a time when they didn't even have electricity. Yes. Simplistic. <laughs> I, I, I grew up in Tidewater, Virginia, Williamsburg, Jamestown, Yorktown. They were uh, all within uh, stone's throw of my house. Just, there. Oh, my gosh. Just yeah. all the things that are happening and the courage to oh, have yes. come across the ocean, the courage to start a nation, the courage to I, I can't imagine that. become independent. That. I mean, I say we're all... From people who had ADD, because yeah. who gets on a boat? Yeah. Not knowing where you're going, not how you're going to get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they all had ADD. And, and you, they thought the world was flat. Flat. Yeah. You know? So you could have fallen off the edge. I, th I mean, you know. <laughs> racial justice, yes. social justice. I think we could have started things differently then. Yeah. yeah. The world is the world. But I mean, if somebody could go back in time and also maybe change it, help help turn the tide of certain things that we did. Mm -hmm. That would have been a great time to do it when you're forming a new country. I don't know, but do you not believe that we are where we are because of the things? It's just like people who have a divorce, you know? Uh, Jeremy wouldn't have married Sarah if he wouldn't have gotten divorced from his first wife, so, yep. you know. Despite all the hardships in the world and the, and the terrible things that happen in other countries, in our country, life is sweet and good. You're not kidding. The way that we get here is awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's things that we can do better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Always. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, if you could have dinner with someone alive or dead, who would it be? I'd go with Abraham Lincoln. Why? I want to hear what he's thinking. I, he, the stresses of worrying about who's going to be in OR versus the stresses of, like, is this state still with the country? Yeah. I just can't imagine. Uh, and yeah. to imagine he lost seven Oh, yeah. Kids. His fortitude and, and yeah. perseverance, just incredible. And he wasn't a healthy guy. No. I mean, that was the other Our part fans. of it. So. Yeah. But, but you know, they far. were talking about exhuming him to test him because I've heard this. he had Marfan's yeah. huh? syndrome. Yeah. You know, I was born on Abraham Lincoln's birthday. I did not. The year that John Kennedy was shot. Hmm. You know, you've seen that list yeah. about the Kennedy and the Lincolns. It's, it's kind of cliche that the President of the United States is the leader of the free world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if Lincoln had acted differently, written differently, spoken differently, believed differently, he himself really could have altered the way the Civil War played out tons of things that happened. Yeah, it's it's incredible. One person's mm -hmm. writings and speech. Yeah. And he was a man of few words. <laughs> yeah, but carried a big stick. Yes. <laughs> well, Adam, this has been great. So so nice to have you on the show. We appreciate you being here and uh, and all the good you're doing and, and taking care of CRNAs out there and, and your teacher heart, uh, which obviously makes you a good chief as well, I'm sure. Um, so thank you again for being on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Sharon, thank you to Ray. I think so. 
Well, for, we want to thank our listeners first and foremost for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. And Sharon, if they like our show and want to help us, what do they need to do? Oh, they need to like us, share us, tell all of your friends, please leave us a review. We just found out that the algorithm, <laughs> something a little bit above my pay grade, the more <laughs> um, reviews you get, the higher you go in the algorithm. But only if it's positive. Because there's enough negativity. Amen to right? that. All right. Until next time. It's a wrap. Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com or call them at 504-394-6557. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.